If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. You long for a deep, fierce love, the stuff of legends. But overwhelm, fear, and doubt keep holding you back. But this is your life and your marriage. This is the legacy you will be remembered for. So we're on a mission to inspire and challenge you to live the adventure of a legendary marriage. We are your hosts, Danielle and Justin Williams, and this is the podcast for couples who refuse to settle for an ordinary marriage. Yeah, we know what it's like to have want a great marriage, but you're not quite sure where to start. So we are on a mission to bring you inspiration, encouragement, practical ideas, and of course, a challenge that will help you build more connection and intimacy in your marriage. And we'll have a whole lot of fun along the way. Every couple needs community, and we'd love for you to be a part of ours. You can find us on Facebook or at legendarymarriage.com slash community. Join our group of couples from all over the world who are committed to having a legendary marriage. This is episode 31 of the show, and we are talking about the biggest mistake married men make. Our guest this week is Mr. Michael Warden, leadership coach extraordinaire. So I'm experiencing some withdrawal symptoms. Withdrawal? Tell me more. <laughs> so in the summer, there are certain things that I look forward to in the summer, you know, um, picnics and baseball and, and garage sales. Oh, yes. I when was not, the last time you went to a garage sale? I don't know. It's probably been a month ago now. What happened? We just keep working all the time. <laughs> Saturday morning. Are you trying around. to blame me for your lack of garage sailing? Yes, I am. That's probably and probably apropos. I need to get rid of stuff as it is. I need to stop getting more stuff. But I'm a treasure hunter. Yes. A pirate. <laughs> I'm a pirate. Danielle doesn't just like walk into the store and say, Give me that one and write a check. She she's gotta find it. She's got she makes Write a, a map. check. What do we go back in time twenty years? What? What's wrong with writing a check? You kids these days. I think we have the same ch- checkbook that we've had for like 10 years or something. Uh, eight years. Yeah. It, I think it has like four addresses that go on it or something. I can neither confirm nor deny that. Yeah, because, you know, you just don't write checks anymore. But yes, I'm experiencing withdrawal symptoms from my garage sale. Yeah. That when I score a deal, it gives me like that little high... <laughs> I'm getting score a deal. I'm getting sketchy, oh, honey. Geez. I'm getting sketchy. Yeah, you need to get a fix. I do need to get a fix, but okay. um, this is Fourth of July weekend. I'll bet it, you. I'll bet you there'll be some garage sales tomorrow. I don't think so, honey. Holiday, maybe. Actually, Fourth of July is usually not a big garage sale weekend. Oh, okay. Well, because most people assume that people have other better things to do and they won't be attending garage sales. Do we have other better things to do, honey? I don't know. Do we? I don't know. I know Allie wants to go to a parade. She's kind of a parade junkie. Yes. Uh, Yes. She first of all fell in love with parades. Um, I want to say Memorial Day, like a couple years ago, and we went to this parade. Oh, yeah. And they threw so much candy at her. It was like Halloween times four. It was ridiculous. It was like the sugar high that never ended. And it yeah, was she like... She comes home with literally a pillow bag, a full king-size pillow bag 
filled to from, the top. Like it was as big as she is. It was from a parade. It was crazy. So now every time she thinks there might be a parade, she's like, we're going to the parade, right? You know what it is? It's all those Shriners. Yeah. And they take all the hard candies, the flavors that they don't like, <laughs> all the, the like berry flavors and stuff, and they throw them to the kids. Berry flavor. Oh, well. I shouldn't say. I usually go for like if we're doing Starburst or something like that. I like lemon, orange, and sure. lime. Sure, anything that makes your face pucker. Danielle loves it. <laughs> I'm a puckerer. What and by can the I way, say? by the way, I'm not being critical of the Shriners. Bless them. And their hard candy. And their mini cars. <laughs> and their mini cars and dressing up like clowns. But, um, do yeah, they dress so up like clowns? They do sometimes. They have like a Shriner circus. Okay. I mean, I know they have the hats. Don't they have like gold sport coats or something too? They've got a lot of stuff going okay. on with the Shriners. They're Shriners. And um, so the, this is 4th of July weekend. And traditionally everything is like, you know, happy fun, blowing stuff up and, you know, celebrating USA. USA. Um, but I ran across this list. It was kind of funny. Three downers of the 4th of July. And I'm like, what? What could possibly be a downer? Okay. Of the 4th of July. All right. I'm, I'm going to. Uh, All right. Top I'm, three I'm downers. Here. All right. Number three is um, being hangry. <laughs> and, and it's not hangry like hungry angry which you get well yeah wait it's not ha- it's not hungry angry what is it, it? it's heat angry like hangry <laughs> uh, okay hangry heat angry <laughs> oh okay okay I, I i'm picking up what you're laying down well here. come on we live in austin texas it's yeah. 100 degrees and you you have a little temperamental spirit honey like when we're out I do not. <laughs> when it's hot you're like why do we even go to this thing so well, Dan, um, to be fair, Danielle's idea is let's go to to this to this event. Oh, it'll be music on the square. Mm, we'll get some great. pizza and a drink, and we'll hang out, and the kids will play and everything. And we'll take our chairs mm. and we'll spread out a blanket. Doesn't and it'll be this fun, idyllic? romantic, yeah, idyllic kind of experience. What she fails to remember is that it's also going to be 130 degrees on the asphalt there, and were my shoes are melting to the floor. But what I don't fail to remember is that I'm an adult and I can suppress those feelings and I can just have fun regardless of the temperature. I'm an adult. All right. Number two is way to shame me. Way oh, to try. I know. Boing flip. I know you're you're impervious to shaming. Number two, crying kids. This yeah. is kind of funny, like especially when the fireworks go off and there's sure. those little kids. I mean, we have a three year old, so mm-hmm. it's possible that that could be oh, us. Oh, and she is so excited about the fireworks, so excited. It, it gets it. They get it in their head that it's this beautiful experience, and then it's just scary. You know, I love <laughs> I, and I love the experience of fire of going to the fireworks. Yeah, me too. Right, people here in Austin will go down to Zilker Park or one of the parks in the area, and there's big fireworks displays all over in our hometown. We would go to the Mommy Perrysburg fireworks and we'd go right downtown and you'd sit, sit like overlooking the river and it's this amazing thing. 
and but then the the thunderous explosions start echoing off the city buildings and everything. Yeah, and the kids just start losing it. They start freaking it's out. It's like you dropped them in a war zone. And <laughs> what kind of is? And like there's that? no way out because you're packed into the green spaces and the streets and everything, shoulder to shoulder, and. And you parked your car nose. like a mile away. Oh, yeah. There's, there's no escaping it. So you just like try to dig a foxhole and pray for the best. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then there's no. It's an amazing experience. It's, it's wonderful. wonderful. It's our favorite thing. <laughs> and then the number one downer is horrible firework videos the next day. Oh. This is like a pet peeve. Like Justin and I could go on a ranting, raving. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. First of all, apologies in advance for anything we may say or do to offend those of you who are fireworks, video, and photo aficionados. Okay. Please stop wasting your time <laughs> doing this because it is a gigantic waste. The pictures never capture what you're trying to capture. Just like sunrises and sunsets. Just be there. Yeah. It's, be present. it's never going to capture it. The videos don't capture it. Like, I really want to sit there the next day and watch your fireworks video, hearing your kids scream and cry in the background, watch it on my iPhone. Nope, not interested. Nope. Let's Facebook feeds don't need to be filled up with this tomorrow. Honey, How about let's selfies of your family? Pictures of you and your family laughing and, you know, holding sparklers and burning your little fingerprints off and, Aww, and eating, eating the red, white, and blue bomb pops and, and you know, and, you know, food fight with potato salad or whatever that stuff yes but your fireworks videos and your fireworks photos no 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 just be present in the moment because that's what you're there for you're not there to take videos of it's it. like when we went to to yellowstone to old faithful mm-hmm. geyser goes off every 90 minutes it's been around forever mm-hmm. it's this amazing natural thing that you can set a clock by mm-hmm. and and it's it's beautiful. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, boiling hot water shoots out of the earth. Yeah. And then it stops after a few minutes. Yeah. And then 90 minutes later, it starts up again. Well, they've got this huge deck built around it. So so a thousand people go and stand there and wait. And then the b- water starts bubbling. And, and as soon as the first like spout shoots up a little bit, everybody everybody's watching it. All of a sudden, everybody's watching it through their four-inch screen on their phone. Because mm-hmm. they're trying to catch her a video or a photo of it. I'm like, you can get amazing photos in the gift shop for like $2. <laughs> yeah. They have postcards with amazing pictures on it. Yeah. Just experience it. Be there. This is like, it's, there's something sacred about being there. There's yeah. something spiritual about being witnessing something like that. Just and, be there. And my favorite is after like 15 seconds, people are sick of watching it. And then they just walk away because they have yeah. their clip on their video. And, yeah. But it's still going off. <laughs> Anyways, can you tell we get irritated about be- people that... And another thing, I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you crazy kids. Be present in the moment. In my day, we didn't have cell phones. Oh, please stop, honey. We had little plastic cups with string on them and we would tie them to each other's legs and that's how we would tell each other what was going on. No? Where? What time frame <laughs> did you live in? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, moving right along. Um, I do want to talk about, um, so blowing stuff up on the 4th of July. Sure. Pretty awesome. Cr- awesome. Crazy. Wild stuff. And, speaking and we of, really won't shame you on Facebook when you post your pictures. I might. 
Danielle might. I won't. I won't shame you, but I'll like make a uh, suspect emojis. <laughs> 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 Speaking of blowing stuff up. Okay. So today. Spe- okay. This is going to be a good turning the corner. Men have lost their wildness, their wild side. Yeah. And today in our interview with Michael Warden, um, he has so much wisdom to offer about how married men have, this is the, this is the word that he uses, but it's actually really perfect, have domesticated themselves. They try. We try. Yeah. I've it, done this. In an effort to keep your family safe mm-hmm. and um, love your family well. And it's actually denying a fundamental piece of your design. Yeah. And so he talks about how to embrace your wild side and how wives can get on track with you and Mm -hmm. um, embrace that wild side of you so that it doesn't come out in unhealthy ways. Because when men try to suppress that natural wildness Mm -hmm. and they suppress it and they suppress it and they try to keep it down, it pops up in these ugly ways yeah it's when we try to domesticate we don't while this is part of the design of man Mm -hmm. and eventually it does it boils up it boils over it leaks out Mm -hmm. guys turn turn mean angry depressed addictions grow there all kinds of crazy stuff happens and so um what we want to do is find healthy ways of of expressing that wildness. So today on the show, we have Michael Warden, a leadership coach, and we're just going to dive more into the topic of the uh, misguided sacrifice that men make in order to keep their family safe. Y'all, I'm so excited for you to to hear this interview. Mike is a mentor and, and a brother and, and a good friend and just a great leader that I admire and respect so much. And we're so blessed to have him on the show. So much so, in fact, this is actually just part one of the mm-hmm. interview we did with him. Next week, we'll do part two, and, and it'll be talking about uh, the biggest mistake women make and the biggest mistake that couples make together. Mm-hmm. But for right now... Tune in, sit back, and listen in on this amazing conversation with Michael Warden, leadership coach. All right, we're here with Michael Warden, who is a friend and mentor and coach and... Overall awesome guy. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's good to have you, Mike. Good to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Um, So I just want to dive right in. Uh, How did you even get into coaching and I know you've got a bunch of letters after your name you tell us tell the audience just a little bit about um, how you got into coaching and your story there uh, so that's that story goes back about uh, maybe 14 years and prior to doing coaching full-time I was working in the publishing industry as a, a writer and editor um, managing editor for a for a Christian publishing house and I was doing work in that field, mostly for leaders and influencers and artists within uh, faith communities. Um, but there was something about it that, even though I loved it, that felt uh, a little bit too far removed for me. I, I was never really working face-to-face or close up with the people that I was serving. And uh, that kind of had me go on a search that ended uh, with me discovering coaching back in about 2002. Um, 
And uh, the the short version of that story is once I found it, I fell in love with it. And uh, it didn't take long for me to bite the bullet, go back to school, uh, go through the training process, get certified and uh, just dive in. And I haven't looked back since. You know why? You were a coach before coaching was cool. (laughs) You were like on the front lines of coaching. He's a frontier coach. Almost as if he's a forerunner. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Just when I got into it is uh, it, it had started in the corporate space. And, and when I, when I entered into it, it was just beginning to spread into other fields. And in particular, it, it was not known within any kind of faith community circle, not even really in nonprofits. Um, and, uh, and so I, I did get to be a part of that initial surge into those um, industries. It was really fun. And of course, really challenging too. Yeah, that's interesting that you you talk about um, it coming into the faith faith based community because I I recall coaches being seen as kind of new agey or like um, you know they they do something with stones or you know something like that and you're like what <laughs> yeah. you know, I feel like it was kind of like almost like on the outside like that you want to keep the coaches at arm's length or you know something like that did you ever experience anything along those lines yeah you were so spot on because it, it, it did start in this sort of corporate sphere and then it was adopted by uh, the new age movement very aggressively. And so when it became popularly known, it was mostly through the lens of the new age movement. So when uh, I first started to bring that skill set into faith uh, communities, their initial response was, wait, are, are you a Christian? Because <laughs> just because they're a whole, <laughs> I couldn't be not, not in, and bring this to the table, but, but underneath coaching is, is just a methodology at its root. It's a way of producing change in people's lives. And what kind of flavor you paint it with uh, depends on your context, right? So uh, confession, hmm. we actually sat in on, I think two sessions of, a class that Mike taught at Gateway at our church that we used to attend before at the break during at the half point break in the second session, we bailed. Yeah. Because we, we were a little taken aback by it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Mike's like, yeah, I remember that. I saw you sneaking out the back. I still haven't fully forgiven you for that. Oh, oh no! <laughs> of all the things, of all the things. So I in, in the in the years of our relationship, that's the thing. Yeah. That's what I'm holding on to. Come oh, on, geez. Justin. I believe you've probably done a lot worse than that. I have surely outsinned that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Mike is also the guy that got Justin and therefore me into coaching. Also, yeah. so everybody that is part of the legendary marriage. Family, um, family is um, you give a little nod to Mike because he's yeah. kind of the father of of coaching in our in our circle. So you're my boy, Blue. That's right. <laughs> Woohoo, proud daddy. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, so so you got into coaching, and now um, I noticed that you have um, some letters that have to do with relationships and relationships. Um, systems. And so we're here to talk about marriage, of course, and about um, how men and women, you know, relate in that regard. And you were bringing up something interesting that you, you thought that um, 
men and women and just couples in general take um, quite a big, a big hit, a big sacrifice when they say I do. Um, what do you, what, what's your thought on all that, Mike? Well, uh, this has come to me in the last probably like five years as I've begun to do more work with couples. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when people step into marriage, there is, there is an understanding that it takes work and it's, uh, it's beautiful and wonderful, but it also requires sacrifice. And mm-hmm. so that's not, I mean, some of that is great. What I, what I began to notice though, working with couples is that there were some sacrifices that um, either the husband or the wife or the couple were making that were actually destructive to mm. the marriage. They, they were not good sacrifices to be making. Um, and it seemed like there was a, maybe a lack of discernment just within the marriage about what, what constitutes a good sacrifice and which one is actually maybe looks good on the surface, but actually undermines the foundation of the marriage um, over time. Yeah. Wow. I love, I love that, you know, when people, they kind of say with, with pride that, you know, they make sacrifices, you know, for the relationship and for each other. And it's kind of seen almost like as a badge of honor, but um, there can be that slightly eh, not so beautiful version of the sacrifice where it's almost like, you know, you're losing part of yourself or, you know, you're not even actually being true to the relationship. You're just, you know, kind of. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's three. And can you, can you just touch on what each of the three are, those three unhealthy sacrifices? Uh, yeah. So I, there seems to be a dominant one. Th- these aren't the only ones, but there seems to be a dominant one that men do, a dominant one that women do. And then there's one that both men and women seem to share equally, like they both like to do it. <laughs> so uh, the one that men seem to do the most is uh, what I would, I would call it sacrificing your wildness. Mm. Uh, and uh, what I mean by that is that there's something woven into the heart of the masculine soul that wants to stay untamed in some way. Like it's the part of us that loves to get on the motorcycle and go riding out in the country or loves to go backcountry hiking or loves to go out into the woods and shoot guns and it isn't always necessarily the standard manly things, but it may also be, you know, loves to get lost in art and just find the wildness of poetry and get enraptured by that. So it's not necessarily macho, but it is wild. And there's something that's sort of intrinsically true about a man's nature that um, he's good, but he's not safe. And he wants to know that he's got a dangerous side to him. Uh, so that's good. And, and often I would think that that's one of the most attractive things about guys that women are drawn to is, wow, there's kind of a, there's a wild side to this guy and it's very attractive. Um, but what seems to happen it, when, once they get into the marriage and particularly once they have children, there's, a, there's an alternative narrative that shows up in the marriage that has, has to, to do with um, protecting the kids or making sure that the, that the family stays secure. And it kind of goes like this, um, honey, you can't go skydiving anymore because now we have a young one and you can't risk your life uh, because it's not fair to the children. Right. Mm, yeah. Right. Have you guys heard that or something similar? Uh, we felt it. You know what? And it tends to like, um, 
like skydiving, maybe you can kind of understand, but then it seems to creep into like, oh, you can't go hiking with the guys or you, you can't get bit by a rattlesnake. rattlesnake. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, we, I don't think really hiking is so dangerous that it's like, uh, I know we've experienced this when Justin got a motorcycle. Originally, I kind of had that mindset around like, you know, honey, I, you know, I don't really feel safe about it. I don't want you to do it. Um, but then I kind of realized it makes him come alive to be on the motorcycle. And it's, it's like a worship thing for him. And it just brings him, you know, he can be having the worst day and half an hour on the motorcycle and he's revived. So it's, yeah, it's definitely food for the soul for him. Oh, totally. Yeah. So there is this story that it kind of becomes um, loud, I think, in a lot of families. And it, it goes like something like this. In order for you to be a good, a good husband and a good father, uh, you need to put the wildness uh, in the closet. You need to bury it. You need to somehow settle down. Um, they probably would hate the word domesticate, but the idea is to be a little bit more domesticated. Sure. And uh, sacrifice your wildness for the sake of safety and security of the family. And so on the surface, this can, this can uh, sound and look like a meaningful sacrifice to make for your family if you're a man. Uh, however, what I have noticed, and you're already pointing to it, Danielle, is um, men, it's, it's sort of like trying to hold a beach ball under the water um, because men have this natural design that, uh, and I say the masculine soul has this natural design that moves toward uh, moves toward some kind of a wild, unfettered, untamed um, experience of life. Like they're going to be gravitating toward that. And when they try to actually not have that in their life, then um, it's like holding that beach ball under the water. And you can do that for a while, maybe for a long while. But it's going to pop up in some it's way. going to pop up. And what what more often than not seems to happen for, for men that I've worked with is it pops up through uh, addiction to video games. It pops up through addiction to porn. It pops up through uh, infidelity in the marriage. Um, like it's amazing how many times I've had conversations with men who have these sort of in, these deep issues going on. And when we dig down to the root of it, it's this issue. It's that they feel like their life mm -hmm. is too tame it's too controlled and they feel trapped by it. It's not wild enough. I experienced that even in the course of a week um, where if I'm not getting outside, if I'm not engaging the wildness, mm -hmm. I start to, I start to, it ends up showing up in a, in some kind of self-sabotaging way. Like I'll, I'll want to blow up something in my business. Yes. Just to yeah. feel alive or I'll, yeah. I'll end up picking a fight in some way with Danielle just to feel alive. And I'm like, don't you want to go on your motorcycle, honey? Or <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Get out. Here's your helmet. Get out the door. Yeah, That's interesting that you're saying like, it seems like the men, they get the the impression that they're supposed to tone down their wildness and maybe women are supposed to to uh, do something else where they kind of, they have this idea that they're supposed to sacrifice and meet in the middle in this oneness kind of a place, but in the attempt to kind of come together and kind of get on the same page of like, oh, we're going to have this nice, healthy, stable family 
uh, it just kind of goes awry. And like you said, it kind of, Justin wants to blow something up or something. <laughs> so that it's the, it's an attempt. You make it sound like I, I harbor explosives in the garage or something. I, I don't. Honey, don't talk about that on the podcast for goodness sake. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just like, I think it, the, uh, the thought behind it is, is a good thought. They want to have oneness. They want to, you know, look out for one another. Um, but it's just going about it in the wrong way. This episode is brought to you by the legendary marriage intensive. Ever feel like you love each other, but you've lost heart or just settled into a rut. Well then rediscover the heart of your marriage at the legendary marriage intensive on October 19th through 22nd. It's three days of beauty, intimacy, and adventure in the mountains of Breckenridge, Colorado, deep, rich learning, fun adventures, plenty of laughs as you focus on transforming your marriage and forging friendships that will last a lifetime. Check it out at legendarymarriage.com slash intensive. And now back to our interview with Michael Warden. So one way, if you are a guy who feels like your life is too uh, shut down or, or compacted or trapped, um, uh, one one thing is to begin to look at what are the behavior, what are you doing to cope with that? What where are you going with your wildness? And uh, to begin to really look for the sh- the the kind of it may be it may be a legitimate activity, but you're doing it in a way that is uh, that is self destructive, like video games or playing golf uh, thirty times a week or whatever, something like that, where you're just trying to invoke that wildness and to first of all, recognize that that's what you're trying to do. And then uh, ask yourself uh, the deep question and do it with your wife if you if you can, of what is it that I'm really hungry for? What is it that I really want? What is my soul actually craving? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can begin to work even in a partnership with your with your spouse about that and find legitimate expressions that um, that honor that wildness without uh, sort of damaging the relationship, without you feeling like you're betraying anything, um, uh, then that's probably where to begin to have that conversation. But I think I, I really think part of it is that that's the guy's part. The for the wife, there has to be just a fundamental understanding. Like Danielle has already talked about, uh, she has to understand a little bit more about the heart of her husband and what has to be true about some aspect of his life. There has to be some kind of untamed expression it's what it needs to be. It's what it is that is really the question, not whether or not it can be there. Um, and the fact that he has it doesn't mean he doesn't love you. doesn't mean he doesn't want to be in relationship with you. Uh, it just means that he has this God-given aspect of who he is that he needs to honor. Yeah. And don't we want him to be more alive and more engaged mm-hmm. and more present. Yes, of course, that's what we want. So let's, let's embrace the wild side. Let's, you know, and I, you know, there's those people out there that are fearful that something's going to happen to their husband. Well, guess what? Um, you know, deal with it. Don't live your life by fear. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, I think uh, this is a I, whole love, nother- I love your ability to simplify. I know, simplify but I'm just saying like a lot of people let fear rule their lives that it just should not be, um, you know, and of course I'm oversimplifying that, but it's just, it's just how it is. So um, it's true. Mind, it's just it's how true. It is. <laughs> sure. no, it's true. That's true. 
I don't want to. I don't want to thrust the whole of that on the women either. Mm-hmm. Like guys, we do it to ourselves. Oh, I do sure. it to myself. There's, there's, you know, there's women talk about mom guilt and like not wanting to, to take care of themselves and everything. Mm-hmm. I think uh, guys have that in a sim- in a different way, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's this way of what it comes down to is playing smaller and smaller and being yeah. less and less of of who we're created to be. So I just want to do a nod to both of these men that I'm on the podcast with. One of Justin's favorite, like, wild memories of his entire life mm. is hanging off a cliff with with Michael. Mm. And um, Mike, I'm sure you know the, the story I'm talking about here. But these guys were basically on a, a hunt um, in the forest. And they were... It was in the forest. It was on a mountain somewhere. And basically, there were, there were trees, technically, yeah. Yeah. And these guys were basically dangling off a cliff with nothing to um, save them but the Lord above and each other. And so it's, it's one of those things where Justin um, felt fully I'm smiling al- ear to ear, just, just, I know. Just about and he felt fully alive. And, you know, he's with his bro and he's, He's in the wilderness and he's got the adrenaline rush going and it's like a worshipful moment. It's like everything encaptured in one moment. And it's like, why would you say no to that? That's what you want. That's what you long for. Get after it, guys. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well said. Yeah. So it starts with, Mike already talked about the the idea of desire and then moving into this this notion of really understanding yourself and you've kind of created a little something to help guys do that. Can you tell us about the Braveheart intensive? Yeah. So, um, uh, so the Braveheart Intensive is, uh, it, it comes in two flavors. One, one is as a weekend retreat and the other is as a, as a course, uh, an eight session course uh, for men. And the, the whole point of it is to, to wake men up to the truth of who they are and to call them forth into that, the fullness of that life. So, you know, in the weekend or in the course, we, we identify uh, who are you as a man uniquely? Like what, it, knowing yourself is one of the key things that we're even talking about here in this conversation. And then also, uh, second thing, living your purpose, like figuring out what are you here for? What is the overarching mission that, that drives you? Uh, and then leading your world, which is really has to be the idea of becoming the the force maker, the one that actually goes and makes the world bend a bit uh, for good, uh, to do good in the world and uh, to recognize your agency as a man, your ability to actually make a difference um, by the way that you live and by the choices you make. And so uh, really the whole thing is about ta- about just helping men wake up to what is inside them and to bring it meaningfully into the world in a transformational way um, for good. Tune in next time for the other half of this interview, part two, where we talk about the sacrifices that women make and the sacrifices that couples make. And you know what about that Braveheart Intensive? Yeah. Um, can I can I go to Braveheart Intensive? <laughs> no. Or is, is it just for dudes? It's just for men. It is a uh, it's an experience unlike anything else. And, and really, I, I can't say enough about it. I went through Braveheart in May of 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had 
relatively just found out that we were pregnant with our first child after nine years of infertility and all kinds of craziness there. Um, there was transition happening in Danielle's work, in my work. Uh, life was just all over the map crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. And it was an incredibly challenging time in life. It was incredibly complex. And Braveheart helped me uh, really find my own base camp to be able to, to navigate it. Mm-hmm. And, and quite honestly, it saved my life in a, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. So much so that I immediately moved out of the weekend, out of the experience, and into the, the leadership training. And I've been facilitating Bravehearts for about six years now, <laughs> five years now. Yeah, and I feel like a big part of Braveheart for you was um, embracing this wild side Absolutely. that Mike talked about in the interview. I was on the the journey of reclaiming that for my life. Mm-hmm. Like I had bought my first motorcycle not too long before that. Yeah. And I remember riding it out way out into the country. It was the longest ride I'd been on. Yeah, yeah. To I go to that. Braveheart. But I didn't understand why it was so important to me. I just knew it was. Yeah. And I knew it was cheaper than driving a car. <laughs> the, get, the, the mileage is better. Um, but also a cool takeaway for me as a wife was also the, um, the challenge to me to embrace the wild side of my man. And um, yeah, so I hope that the women um, will take a little bit away from that too in in just their role in trying to encourage their men to mm-hmm. embrace that wild side in a healthy and safe way for their family. Yeah. You know, we don't want it to be like that beach ball that, you know, keeps popping up on the surface in this yeah. weird and destructive sort of way. So here's the challenge, you know, have that conversation with your husband about what is that wild thing or what is that wild side that they really want to tap into that can be, um, that can be life-giving for them and not destructive to your family. Guys, if this episode has resonated with you, if it's awakened something in you and you're not quite sure where to start, uh, Michael has a video series called Awaken the Hero Within. And it is a three-week study, self-guided, that will give you a chance to really dig in and figure out what it is that your heart is calling and God is calling you to step into in this next season of life. You can find it along with the show notes for this episode at legendarymarriage.com slash zero three one. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And find out any information you're needing at legendarymarriage.com. Have a great week. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We're thrilled to have you with us on the adventure. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.